Windows routing, hey? Yep. All right. All right. We'll say no more. <laughs> it's like like what your mother said if you can't say something nice don't say anything at all yeah that's right <laughs> welcome to GCP Life episode number 42 for the 16th of June 2023 GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Melon Husk is at it again. Will AI be banned? And we take a look at some new GCP features. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you going, Ian? I'm good, Banky. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good. Nice, short and concise for the intro today. I just did it in one take, too. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Must be getting good at this after 42 shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, how's your, how's your week been? What have you been up to? Mate, uh, it's been an exciting week for me. I apparently turned 45 yesterday. Oh, um, I did see that come up. I meant to yeah. say happy birthday. I'll just yeah. say it here. Happy birthday, mate. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but not a huge amount has has happened really. I mean, it was a it was a little bit of a lion in the morning instead of getting out of bed at six like I usually do. Um, <laughs> you lied into quarter past six. <laughs> I, I did, literally, it was like twenty past six, and I was out of bed because I was like, I can't lay here anymore. <laughs> no, I'm the same with my lions. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but apart from that, it's just been we went camping on the weekend, um, nice. did some more wiring, you know, all the normal stuff that you do before a big trip. Tell me about it. I, I spent my long weekend putting a rear bar on the back of my truck. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> now, just putting the bar on itself probably would have been okay. But of course, you know, I wanted to modify it. Yeah. yeah. You can't just put it on as no, it is, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to paint it with some Raptor paint. Looks great, right? And okay. I've got this other bar work on my truck as well. I wanted to paint as well. And it all looks good now. It's all looks shiny and new and everything. Pretty. But uh, it's got the old LED lights. Nice. Right? Yeah, and they look good now that they work. Let me tell you. <laughs> there's a story here. I can there's feel it coming. <laughs> there's a story here. First of all, I had to deal with the abomination of wiring <laughs> that was hanging out the back. Now, the, but I, now, I understand the 12 volt and the wiring and the electrical side of things. That's actually an area I have a bit of an understanding of what's going on, Right. And oh, it took me five hours to sort out this abomination of wiring that was happening. I think nearly every auto electrician in Sydney had to go at it. That's how it looked. <laughs> <laughs> what I cut off it was incredible, and what I put a nice plug on there and cleaned it all up. I cleaned it all up, um, and now it's great. It's all nice, taped up, and cable tied up. So it's, it's all good. Protected from the gibber rock in the uh, yeah. northern Queensland. That's right. Um, and uh, then uh, I go to check, and I I I swear blind that I had it all around the right way, and I get my wife in there to reverse lights good, uh, park lights good, you know, driving lights good. Puts a foot on the brake, all the lights go off. <laughs> I'm like, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> well, actually, specifically, it was the left hand side. The, all the lights on the left hand side were going off, and I just. It'd be buggered if I could figure out what was going on. I thought, all right, I'll. I th- I kind of thought I must have broken a wire on that side, you know, in the loom somewhere. 
So I don't run a wire from the other side across and then put it in. Still didn't work. I put an incandescent lamp on there, one of those t- tester things. Yep. That worked. Yeah. That, okay, now something screwy is going on. And uh, now those of you in the know probably already know what's going on. I know I knew this already. I just d- neglected to just put my knowledge to use. Of course, with an incandescent globe, it's not polarized, is it? Yep. it can, the current can run in either direction. But with if you've played around with your Arduinos and the rest of it, you probably know that LED lights Very the much. only goes in one direction because it's right. LED. Yep. So what had I done? Well, three hours later, I figured it out. It dawned on me. <laughs> <laughs> Put the After I pulled the everything <laughs> out and resolded all the plugs and everything, I had got on the brake light, I'd got the ground and the active for the brake around the wrong way. Yep. We've all so done what it. Was, yeah. So what was happening, the other lights were picking up the ground through the brake light circuit, so they were working fine. As soon as you hit the brake, then what should have been the ground would go up to 12 volts, and the other, the reverse light and park light, etc., had 12 volts on both pins, they would go out. Yep. And the brake light wouldn't work because the polarization was around the wrong way. That's awesome. It just, it just was mind-bending. I just, it just didn't make sense. <laughs> You're technically not losing any any current anywhere because, you know, <laughs> you've got 12 volts on both lines. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The potential's the same on both sides, so the yep. lead doesn't light, right? And just that one wiring around the wrong way. And the reason I, I – okay, I – it's not my fault, all right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what everyone well, says. <laughs> I have the service manual for this car, and I was following the wiring diagram colours, but of course, because every auto electrician had to go on it, the wiring colours were completely balls up, and I couldn't, yeah, I just well, had it's, to if it's test any it with a meter and figure out what was going on. <laughs> I, I've got both the Haynes manual for my car, and I've got the Toyota workshop manual, and mm. both of them have different wiring colours for most of the uh, wiring in my car, so, and... Both of them have different colours for the actual wiring that's in my car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't no, rely on it. You've got to no, uh, test everything test it yourself. Test, yep. it, test and test and test and test. But anyway, it's good now. Uh, I could, I've driven it around. The, the rear bar hasn't fallen off, which is good. Nice. Uh, <laughs> Lots of Loctite on those bolts? Well, I, I, I don't. I've got springies on there, but... That's a whole other conversation I think you and I should have later. Yeah. I might get some of those star washes or something, but uh, no, no, nothing's nothing's moved yet. Red Loctite. <laughs> red Loctite is the way to go, I'm told. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. It uh, hasn't moved yet, but um, it might do when we hit some tracks. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I've got some parts with me to fix that in case it does. Yeah. And I've got, I did a, uh, a little wiring job on my car on yesterday, actually. I got the new plug for the map sensor. Arrived. I had to order it off a uh, uh, a company online called EFI Solutions, and uh, yeah, just had to pull the plug apart. And I, I went to take the because you've got to stick a, a little uh, pick down inside the plug to to let go of the uh, clamp or the clasp. And as I sit, stand the pick down in there, the entire plug disintegrates in my hand. Uh, so I think it was about time to get changed. <laughs> it's nice and clean so. now. That's good. That's good. Yeah, these little things like that can just bring you undone when you're in remote areas, so it's good you're catching it now. Yeah, that's it. Um, 
Well, that's that's enough of my car adventures at the moment. But uh, some of the eagle-eyed among you might have noticed uh, a couple of news articles about Kazna and Uni Super um, on on the LinkedIn's during the week and on the socials. Yeah. Uh, this this article, I'll, I'll I'll link to one of them. There's a few a few of them going around. The A R N ones, the one that I'll link in the show notes, uh, talking about um, Kazna and Uni Super. And now this is a project that I'm on, um, and I've been the senior cloud engineer on this project. And we're doing a. I think I can talk about this now because it's mm. all public public knowledge. We've been doing a migration from their on-prem VMware into uh, Google Cloud's GCVE. And and it's a first for Australia too, isn't it? Not, uh, not, ju- not just GCVE, it's not the GCVE first, but it's a first for Stretch vSAN in Australia. Yeah, first for Stretch vSAN, uh, Stretch clusters in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've implemented another thing as well. We've ended up doing this, uh, HA VPN over interconnect, which is a new thing as well. Yeah. Um, so that may well be a first as well. I don't know. Um, but a lot of goal kicking in this thing. And, uh, we, are. I think the articles say, uh, 60% done. I, I don't think anyone would uh, have a problem if I said, uh, after th- we've got this weekend and the following weekend and we're done with their non-production environment. That That's is awesome. Completed, right? And it's really only a handful of things that have got to be done. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it uh, was I, I I I think I saw there in the in the doco for it that it's uh it's also a first for storage only nodes in Australia. The way the way they're set up, we've ended up um it was really well um you know scoped mm. how many nodes they need. And GCV is so awesome. Like you can you can add and remove nodes at will. Yeah. Like really, like it was really well scoped and there was heaps of headroom. And we, we found about going from their on-prem into GCVE, they did some numbers with testing and, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, ava- response time and all the rest of it and, and CPU performance. It's about 10% we found. There's about a, a 10% headroom in the numbers. So, right. Yeah. They ended up with heaps of, heaps of headroom. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I don't think anyone would mind me saying either that we are ramping up the prod build. Um, it's just about complete and, um, yeah, stay tuned. There'll probably be a big announcement when that's done and it'll be completed as well. Yeah. In awesome. The next few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a huge project for, for certainly for Kazna, but, but, uh, but also for Google in Australia. Oh yeah. It's a very high profile project and, uh, <laughs> I have to say, from a personal level, um, there have been moments. Oh, <laughs> there yeah. have really been moments. There always like, is. <laughs> you know, you question yourself and you wonder if you can do it and you go back and read documentation and there's a couple of, uh, couple of tough nights sleeping there. But, um, you know, the, the team's been really good. I mean, the Unisuper guys are bang on. They know their stuff. They know their environment really well. And, uh, you know, if, if the Kazna guys have – couple of them in particular have really sort of grabbed the bull by the horns and just just run with it and it's been um the experiences really shown that um if people find their niche what i've really noticed people have been able to find their niche and move out into it and they've become sort of like the, the go-to person in the project for that piece of the area yes yeah. right? it's there. it's so big you can't be across all of it yeah right and 
Um, I think that was a bit of a shock to some of us actually when we first got onto it. Like, guys, we can't understand all the whole thing, right? You just go and focus on your bit and get that bit right. Yeah. And um, that's really, really been a real big, a real good asset to be able to do that. And um, I think that's the same thing that we did when you and I and, and Dave were on the Dyne Durham project. We sort of. We sort of all helped out a little bit in um, in each other's areas, but we we very much you were very much the networking, get making sure the networking was working. Dave was very much the VMware, and I was sort of like the in between that knows a little bit of little bit of both. Oh, you're the you're the Windows guy, mate, the no, .NET no, guy. No, <laughs> not likely. Don't call me that. He says. <laughs> <laughs> I object, Your Honour. <laughs> but uh, but I mean I'm I've I've gone back. I'm helping out. Uh, uh, a client at the moment getting their DR strategy up and running in GCVE, and mm-hmm. um, just some of the the weird stuff that's changed since since we left that environment. We're like, uh, we set up a Bastion host to test DR in a in a bubble, and some Windows update has has rendered the interface metrics redundant. Yeah. So now we can't automatically prefer the the routes from the bubble. It's just because Windows can't get to those routes, it's like, oh, no, we'll take the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I want to use these ones instead. Yeah. I don't know. Windows routing. <laughs> don't get me started. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the, I think I've, I've heard there might be a couple more stories coming out about that. So just keep your, keep your eyes on the socials for that. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to spend too much on this, but those stupid AR goggles. Oh. <laughs> Apple, you've done it again. <laughs> I mean, I, I just looked at it. I was like, it's three and a half grand yeah, for yeah. for a set of AR goggles. Uh, have they not heard of Google Cardboard? I don't know. I mean, and the various other devices that are out there that are far uh, less than that. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. It's 3D television. Yeah. It's 3D television. What was that? I, was, I, I saw a meme going around the other day. It was like... Um, when we were kids, you would have been told it the same as I don't sit too close to the TV, it'll ruin your eyes. And now we've got TVs on our eyes. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I just can't see it getting off the ground. Honestly, I cannot see it getting off the ground. At three and a half grand, who's going to sit there with that on their face potentially all day? Not only that, with a tether for a battery as well. Um, yeah, sure. You get this interface. I mean, what it looks like iOS. I get it looks like iOS doesn't work. And like, do your hand gestures and all the rest of it. I That's the other so. thing. Who wants to wave their hands around? Right? It looks great on a movie. You, look, look at my little skinny arms. I'm not going to be a hold that. Hold my arms up all day, waving my hands around, control my phone <laughs> <laughs> until you're walking down Main Street in Sydney and you clout someone on the side of the road and they <laughs> you start a it's brawl. Re- Ridiculous! It's ridiculous to think anyone's going to do that. Uh, uh, don't get me started. The other thing I don't like either is transparent, the idea of transparent phones. Mm. Whoever thinks that's a good idea, you've got to have yourself have yourself checked yeah. in somewhere because that uh, if you set transparent, even on a terminal window, if you put transparency on it and you can see through to the background, it is so distracting and it's annoying and it just takes away from the text and the experience of actually doing your work or whatever. Yeah. The transparent phone's going to be the same thing. Oh, and foldable phones. Foldable phones. Don't get me started on foldable phones. How are you going to put a foldable phone in your pocket? 
right? Oh. You put it in your pocket and you sit down, and what happens? It all gets jingle. What happens when you put a five dollar note in your pocket? That's how your phone's going to look, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I, I, so I, I had a bit of a laugh because, like, the Pixel Sevens, um, Seven A has come out, and they've got a foldable phone coming out as well. And I looked at it and went, I never liked phone. I didn't like the Motorola when they were a foldable phone. No, no, I didn't, no, no. Like the old Motorola StarTac, didn't like it. The Motorola no. Razor, didn't like it. No. It, like back and, and then it was- It's just it, the, fold, the fold is just prone to, to breaking, yep. right? Or what even the flexible ones. Like, sorry, that's probably what I was referring to more, the flexible ones. The, hmm. You know, the flexible thing, right? The, oh, yeah. That's all going to get munched up and crunched up as well. And I don't like foldable ones either. Yeah. It's, it's like, like I Call look at it and go, but- this is an entirely different thing. I understand like um, TVs that you can stick on the wall, like not stick it on a bracket, but you can actually double-sided tape TVs on the wall these days. There's like super thin ones that are just super, a flexible yep. panel. You stick it on the wall, it's done. Yep. But this isn't a TV, people. This is a phone. No, you put it in your pocket. Mm. You drop it on the floor. Yeah, yeah. It gets stepped on by the dog, right? Yeah. Like, it needs to be – there needs to be some sort of durability to it, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. I guess it's uh, – <laughs> my hate of technology for the sake, sake of technology, right? It, yeah. 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 I, 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 likened it, I likened it to push-button starts in cars, solving a problem that wasn't there to begin with. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Mm. What's wrong with it's, yeah, it? Yeah, keys, yeah. Keys were there for a reason. Although my patrol hub does does have a funny problem. If you put the key in one way, you can't turn the barrel. If you take it out and turn it around the other way, then you can turn the barrel. I, must I be a Nissan know. thing. <laughs> I got to the bottom of it. <laughs> Land Cruiser doesn't have that problem. <laughs> no, no, you just hotwire a Land Cruiser and you're all good. No, you're good. <laughs> uh, should we get on with the rest of the show? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's get on with the news items. Our friend uh, Melon Husk, otherwise known as Elon, <laughs> he's, at, he's at it again. Oh, he Melon is. Husk, I Melon love Husk. it. That, that's my, my young fella calls him Melon Husk. And every time he does something dumb, like, like the, the, the whole Twitter thing and laying off half of Twitter and all the rest of it, and my young fella has come out and he's like, Melon Husk has done it. It's a dumpster fire. And I'm like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Uh, Article on Business Insider, Twitter has stopped paying its Google Cloud bills, promoting concerns about what will happen to some of the services it hosts there, a report says. Um, It's not only the Google Google Cloud bills. There's been a bunch of bills that he hasn't paid, and the allegations range from unpaid invoices to marketing companies for branded merchandise to rent for Twitter offices. So – He's he's taken the the uh, taken the sword to a lot of things in Twitter since he's been there. Um, we heard he sat, sacked half the engineers. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there was a second round of layoffs. Um, he's he's cut back uh, on free food for staff. Oh boo hoo! Yeah, and auctioned off a bunch of Twitter merchandise. Uh, and now apparently he's not paying his bills. Well, the thing I find a little bit. Concerning about this is the the tool that they're running, or one of the tools they're running in GCP is Smite, which is um, a company that that Twitter acquired in 2018. But it's there to remove um, bad actors, essentially, out of the platform. It's a harassment, abuse, and spam detection tool, uh, and that's the one that that's one of the ones that's getting hosted on Google Cloud. And there's this uh, article reports that it is set to be shut down at the end of the month. So does that now mean that 
you can jump onto Twitter and just harass whoever you want. It would seem so. It does if, look that if, way. If Smite's not running, yeah, uh, it's going to turn into the Wild West. Well, I mean, arguably it already is. <laughs> but uh, I, but I, I like the the links to there. Like, yes, he owes he owes marketing companies large amounts of money, and he owes um, his landlord large amounts of money, and they both started lawsuits against him. Mm. So, yeah, how long Twitter lasts, I don't know. Don't know. Um, this article does say um, they previously reported that Twitter has been trying to renegotiate its Google contract for months, in which the social media giant had committed to spending $1 billion over five years. So I don't know if it's as cut and dry as uh, Elon just saying, no, we're not going to pay it anymore. I, I suspect, just reading between the lines there, that there may be some problem in the negotiation and some deadline has passed or something. Yeah, possibly. But, I mean, that's that's not a huge amount of money when you look at the size of Twitter. It's mm. $200 million a year in in cloud costs, which is not not a, I, I wouldn't think, an, an overly large amount of money for running an infrastructure that Twitter requires. Mm, mm, true. But only time will tell. We'll see what happens. Yeah, see what happens. But uh, could be the beginning of the end, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, well, I said that six months ago. I'm just waiting for that <laughs> six months to come up. <laughs> I mean, what would happen if Twitter disappeared? Would it be a big deal? Or everyone would just go somewhere. Some Something else would rise up, yeah, right? Well, Mastodon has already risen up, but Mastodon's a little bit harder to use than than Twitter is for the average person. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I use it. I, I don't, well, I don't really use it these days. I'm not, not sort of on it all the time. Yeah. But, um, but there's others out there, and apparently the, uh, the guys that started Twitter have started another one called Blue Sky, I think it is. Right. So um, you've got to get an invite to that one, though. All right. Well, uh, remains to be seen what happens there, but... Um We'll just move on, and we, we've heard enough from, from Elon for the moment. We'll move on. Um, story that came by me is that um, millions of PC motherboards were sold with the back door installed. It's a bit scary, isn't it? At least yeah. the title sounds a bit scary. Yeah, Gigabyte Systems have been identified by Eclipsium platforms for exhibiting suspicious backdoor-like behaviour. Now... The interesting bit I found about this reading through this article was it only appears to affect Windows machines. That is interesting, yes. Sad, really. Not that I – because I don't run Windows. Um, <laughs> but it, it's part of the Eufy uh, firmware booting process that that it loads this uh, binary into uh, the firmware um, and it's a Windows native binary executable that it loads in. And that's subsequently executed by the Windows sub, uh, Session Manager subsystem. And then... Um, it goes off to this App Center download install feature. Yeah. It and, checks if it's in- enabled in the BIOS. Uh, yeah, and then the .NET-based Windows executable is deployed, retrieves, and executes a separate executable payload. Yeah, downloads yeah. something. Now, yeah. reading this article, that in itself didn't seem to be what their main problem was. Their main problem later on is they're talking about um, man-in-the-middle ta- attacks and the fact that this download thing 
doesn't validate the certificate. That's right. And it opens it up for a man in the middle attack. Yeah, it does. It's basically doing a no-check certificate. That's right, yeah. So you yeah. you sort of, yes, okay, we're using HTTPS, great, but we're not validating that we're actually using HTTPS or the real HTTPS. As not checking that, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I'd kind of be more worried about your BIOS trying to run something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I sort of, I read that and was like, okay, well, it doesn't affect me, so, oh, well. But yeah, it doesn't affect me because I use ASUS motherboards. Yes. I've always used ASUS motherboards. <laughs> but um, but also I look at it and go, rightio, my young fella's got a gigabyte motherboard in mm. in his gaming computer. It's not reasonably new, though, so it sort of shouldn't affect him. But uh, but it's one to, to look at it and see if we can – like it's, I'm going to download the, the firmware for it tonight and actually have a look at it and see if I can find mm. that binary file in there. Yeah, and it wouldn't be a hard one to defeat either. If you had it on a, a private network and you had restricted access to the internet or you were using a proxy or something that was the only way to get to the internet, then then this would be pointless. It wouldn't be able to go off and do its little download or whatever it was yeah. trying to do. Yeah, but I think the I think the main one that concerns me about it is that it opens up the opportunity for manufacturers to to put backdoors into systems and and allows OEMs too. If you're if you're a sorry a, a a builder, a PC builder of some description, you can build machines. You can you can utilize this um, this little backdoor and start loading your own firmware in, regardless of what operating system the computer's got. Assuming that you can get it to run on all operating systems. Yeah, you need some. Some uh, you know bit of trickery there to get it to run to detect. I suppose you could detect the operating system. Yep. Um, Temple OS, perhaps. Maybe. Uh, I wonder how it would go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sco Unix. Let's load Sco up. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you do know about Temple OS, right? Uh, no, no, I've never seen Temple okay. OS. What is it? Temple OS is a biblically themed lightweight operating system designed by the third temple prophesized in the Bible. It was created by American programmer Terry A. Davis. Right. And it is crazy, to yep. say the least. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely looks crazy. Yep. Yeah, for those, for those that are listening, go and look that one up. Temple OS, yep, if you've not heard of that. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm showing my age now, but anyway, yeah. it's been yeah, around no, a while. I'd, I'd never heard of that one. I yeah, no. Yeah, I I know about it specifically because Linus Tech Tips did a, a video on it uh, back in uh, July 2020. Oh, okay. So go and look that one up as well. I'll have Temple, to have a look at that. that. Temple is very funny. Yep. Um. Yeah. So yeah, if you're using Gigabyte, um, I just uh, be a little cautious of that one, and and maybe I'd say, um. You know, as people do homebrew biases and stuff, um, hacked biases, maybe try and get one that's been with that patched out. That's yep. what I'll be looking for. Definitely. Um, all right, let's move on. Um, we've got a couple of Google Cloud features. Um, now, this, I really like this. Uh, this was announcing cross-cloud interconnect, seamless connectivity to all your clouds. Yeah, this one's really cool. This is this is Google coming out and saying, we want you to be cross Cloud capable hybrid hybrid multi cloud yeah, hybrid yeah. multi cloud, um, and here's how we're going to make that journey for you so much simpler. 
They've yep. got Anthos now, we, and now that with this announcement of cross-cloud interconnects, you can connect to, and it's not just the AWS and the Azure um, connections, but it also does Oracle Cloud and Alibaba Cloud. Yeah, so what it is, when you go into hybrid connectivity, mm. in, in the past, you've just had two two options there. You've just had uh, dedicated interconnect or partner, partner interconnect. Yep. Now, I've, uh, project I was just on, we set up a partner interconnect, and that was with uh, Telstra, Pri- Telstra Private Networking. Usually some partner like that. Um, all good. Now you've got this third option, which is this cross-cloud interconnect, mm. and it allows you to commission a link directly from Google Cloud to... Um, any of the the big cloud providers, and and as as you just said there, in to Amazon Web Services, Azure, Oracle Cloud, or Alibaba. Yep. And it, 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 no third party involved, straight to them. Yeah, and that's just really cool. Awesome. Yeah. So it, it's sort of it's. I think it's the idea of of cutting down the um, the reliance on having multiple. Um, connections to multiple different providers. You can have one set of connections that goes into Google, and then you can use Google to create connections into all the rest. You could you could do that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, use that them would, as a hub. Yeah, yeah. and then yep. and then that also gives you the ability to to deploy your app to GCE, for instance, and then go. No, we're going to put it in AWS as well, and um, and so that way you've got you've got. Um, hybrid multi-cloud ability straight off the bat. Straight off the bat, yeah. You might want to use GCVE in, in Google Cloud because that's that's better. Yep. Uh, but all your AD might be in Azure. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. Or your or your VDIs might be in Azure if you're if you're using the the uh, Azure, Azure workstations. workstations. That's them. Azure Workstation, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um I also read another oh, another article that's going to come up. Uh, Oracle apparently has just signed some big deal with NVIDIA. Oh. Um, and they're going to have a big AI NVIDIA ML farm. So yeah. who knows where that's going to go, right? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I, I really like the simplicity of that. I, I was really excited to see the way it was implemented in the console. Just, oh, okay, just done there. And then you get an email and you go back to a zoo and you plug the stuff in there and then you, you send them – you reply to the email with your uh, letter of authentication, mm-hmm. um, and they cook it up. Done. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. I I love that. And uh, this came along with another feature, which was hybrid co- connectivity to SaaS with private service connect. Now, I think we talked about this before, but uh, this is GA now, right? Yes. Yeah, we talked about this. It was uh, public preview, I think, at that point, uh, but it is now it is now GA. Right, and then just to refresh again, what that what this means is you can route to a, a private service connect endpoint via your cloud interconnect. Yes, so you can a- access managed yeah. services directly from your on premise environment over cloud VPN or over the interconnect. Over the interconnect, which would include a cross connect. Now that's right. Oh, that makes things easy. All we need to do is put a packet inspection point in there somewhere, and. Uh, It'll solve a lot of problems. <laughs> Deploy some Palo Altos right on the end of the interconnect. <laughs> no, we won't do that. <laughs> Let's not get silly. <laughs> um, yeah, cr- couple of great new features there. I can't wait to um, – I'm just looking here um, uh, with the, the features that are enabled with this MacSec for cloud interconnect. Now, mm. a, lot of, a lot of banks would probably want that. Yep. 
uh, in preview until uh, the third quarter, 2023. Uh, provides point-to-point line rate level two encryption. Uh, nice. Uh, HA VPN over interconnect is supported. I, I can tell you all about that one. Uh, that's IPsec um, connectivity with an encrypted VLAN attachment. 9K MTU. Yeah, so now like now, yeah. You could run iSCSI over this. You could, you could do iSCSI over this, yeah. yeah. Now that is that opens up a couple of interesting things there. Wow. It does. Yeah, that's um, that's really good because now also you can do uh the storage uh what's the extra storage that you can attach into the into GCVE? That's right. Mm. Yeah, the NFS, uh, cl- uh, not cloud storage. Um, EMC yeah, makes anyway. it. EMC makes the it. EMC yeah. storage. Just yeah. the, the the sand storage. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's very cool because you get it in a ten gig or a, that's what the other thing that I haven't mentioned. You get a ten gig or a hundred gig. That's right. Now, if you're running a hundred gig with a nine K MTU, boom. Yep. You can run a sand over that. Well, even if you're running ten gig, we've even, we've all we've run all 10 run. Gig, yeah. We've all run sands over ten gig before. Yep, we've run sands over one gig before. Over one gig, I got a sand going here over one gig. But <laughs> they do say, yeah, line speed and low latency. So, yeah, could yeah. run great. Um, and uh, uh, BFD is is now generally ab- available, mm-hmm. uh, which is good because I've you know I get I've had a few clients ask me about BFD. Do you do, do you want to do you can you support uh, support that? Um. That's for you know high speed link failure detection. Yep, uh, and a bunch of BGP enhancements. Yeah, um, custom learn routes, increased prefix scale, uh, non link local address are currently in preview. Now, you know what I really like them to support. I'd like to have more than two hundred prefixes in a cloud router. That'd be really good. That'd be nice. If I could, if I could request a feature, that's the one I want. I, I think the uh, the one thing that I know with the BFD, you've got to be on Data Plane V two. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, we're getting. Operating. I think we're good here. I've, yeah, I've checked a few of them. That's all done yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but yep. like a month ago, it wasn't. Uh, wasn't wasn't so, yet. so prolific yep. in Australia, and that's pretty easy to check too. You can yeah, go and that's do right. A, a G Cloud Compute uh, routers describe something like that. It'll uh, tell you if it's data plane V two VLAN attachments describe the VLAN, VLAN attachment attachments. Will tell you. It's in the VLAN attachments. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. 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 Um. Yeah, cool. And another networky uh, new feature as well, um, announcing GA of Cloud Firewall Threat Intelligence and geolocation features. Yeah, so this was this was preview a little while ago, um, and it super super awesome set of features enabled there to to allow you to do um, name based firewalling, so you yep. can firewall to specific domain names. Um, you can. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, that's that's a yeah. There's yes. caveats around uh, that. There yeah, are, that's, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the threat intelligence for firewall is is phenomenal because obviously it's um, Google is a is a big contributor to all the big threat intelligence models that are out there. Yeah. Um, and so you're getting that built into cloud firewall standard um, and geolocation, so you can filter traffic based on on where that traffic is coming from or going to. Yeah, and it's not from what I read. It's not just using like an IP range because yep. now with BYO IP, it's getting all jumbled up, right? So it'll it'll know where you are despite your IP address. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So an, another uh, really good advancement in cloud firewall to make it um, really and truly an enterprise grade 
uh, firewall solution for for businesses moving into GCP. Yeah. Plus, you also get uh, address groups and local IP ranges. Yes. Handy as well. Yeah. Um, and if you're looking for this, it's part of the firewall policies now. It's not yes. It's not the VPC firewall. It's part of the firewall policies. You go in there and you'll see a couple of new fields in there. Yep. Firewall policies are different from firewall rules. Much more flexible, though. You can oh, add yeah. them in, in, in multiple locations. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And you can tier them too, which is, as I think, the best part of GCP is that whole tiering. So you can have uh, firewall policies applied at, at different layers within your boulder structure, mm. um, and the, you get you get a much more enhanced experience. Yeah, so it's like you set it here, and then it's it's in place yeah. in all these other. Yeah. You, you know, you got the confidence that all of these other folders and projects are going to inherit that, and they've got the same. Policies. Yeah, that's right. right. So if you don't if yeah. you don't want specific, let's say a geolocation one, if you don't want specific countries to come in to your production environment, you put a policy, a geolocation policy on your production folder in GCP, and all projects that sit underneath that folder have that rule applied. Mm. Mm. That's that's an excellent use case, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I really like that one. Mm. Um, all right, then. Should we move on? Let's move on here. Yeah. Um, we're going to get on the AO Wars later, but uh, an article came across my desk that talks about uh, – that comes from the Cloud Wars. Yeah. Now, I've never heard of these guys. Um, apparently, Cloud Wars, the world's top cloud vendors, Cloud Wars ranking uh, – cloud, the Cloud Wars ranking of the 10 most influential cloud vendors in the world. Yeah. We adjust the rankings regularly, so check back for fresh insights and updates. And uh, we've got the, we've got a list of ten there. Um, we haven't done a list for a while on the show, have we? But no. I'm not going <laughs> to go through them all. But you know, we've got a couple here that are interesting. Um, ones that Oracle comes in at number four. That mm. actually surprised me that they're, that they're in that position. Amazon number three. Yep. Right? And who comes in at number two? Google Cloud, number two. Yeah. Now look at the revenue. Look at the revenue here, right? We're talking uh, Oracle, four point one billion. Yep. Amazon, twenty one point four billion. Massive, yeah. right? And and here we are kicking along. Uh, Google Cloud, seven point five billion. And of course, the number one spot, Microsoft. Yeah. Azure, twenty eight point five billion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean they're uh, they're huge and and they're incumbent because like they they are the top spot because you've got all these businesses that are using Microsoft products and it it for them they just go oh well it makes sense to move to Microsoft Cloud. Yep, yep, and it uh, it's infuriating. Yes. It is honestly infuriating. <laughs> oh, that yeah, it's it's like stepping back in time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We just want to carry on the way we've been carrying on for the last. 30-odd years, and that's just the way it worked. That's what you do, isn't it? No, there's better. There's much better. It's it's, it's interesting, though, that that uh, Google has um, stepped on top of Amazon for the number two spot. I love now, that. Now, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that because that's what really drew my attention to this. Like, mm. I would say prior to the pandemic, every day 12 months ago, Amazon would have been the number one spot. Yeah, 100%. Right? And so what's actually happened is – 
Microsoft hasn't gone up. We haven't gone up. Amazon's gone down. Yeah. Amazon has gone from the number one spot to the number three spot. That's what's happened there, if you look at that. Yeah. But I wonder why... I wonder whether that's because people are starting to realise that Amazon has got just too many services and it, oh. it's super complex and all the rest of it and, and the, the bill shock that you get because you forgot to turn off some VM that's been running for the last three <laughs> days and it's just cost you 10 grand. Or How did you become homeless? Yeah. I left an EC2 instance on. <laughs> that's it. Um, or, or whether it's just because the other cloud providers are becoming more innovative. Hmm. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I'd like to think that the latter is true, that that Google and Microsoft are becoming more innovative and and Amazon is is sort of sticking to the path, the, like the, the path that they've been treading for years. Mm. Everyone's getting a bit tired of Amazon maybe. Maybe. The novelty's worn off. And let's talk about this for a sec. Oracle at number four. I mean, there's not much choice after the three we've talked about, but you got to watch out for these guys, mm. right? I know we bagged them in the past, but how long before they're in the number three spot? Now, if that happens, you've got to watch out. Oh, 100%. Oracle's, yeah. Oracle have got a, uh, a quite the business plan in place there to become the, mm. the premier cloud um, to the point What's where- What's their need? You can, you can spin up uh, the equivalent of a compute engine instance in Oracle for nothing. Cost you nothing. Like, it's a freebie. It's a freebie mm. all year. You can run that thing 24-7, 365 days a year, and there's certain instance types that you can run, but they give them to you for nothing. Right. That's to get you hooked. That is. That's what that's, 100% what's all, it that's is. all about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it seems to be working. It is. You know, what's their niche going to be, though? What's going to be their, um, their, I mean, spark in the cloud? I mean, are they they're offering that? That, that has to be their niche, Well, right? no, I don't believe they're offering Spark in the cloud at all. But I think their niche, is, as we'll reveal in the next article, is all about AIML. Mm, mm. Oh. Um, so let's move on to that. That's an excellent segue there, Ian. You're, you're becoming a professional uh, broadcaster here. <laughs> <laughs> Oracle Cloud revenue up 54% in the fourth quarter, and this is what's got them to that spot, and this is what we've got to watch out for them. Mm. Oracle topped the fourth quarter revenue estimates and forecast an upbeat first quarter driven by growing demand for its cloud offering from companies deploying AI. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a quote here from Larry Ellison saying, who, for those who don't know, is the CEO of Oracle, saying companies doing large language model development such as Mosaic ML, Adept AI, Cohere, plus 30 other AI development companies have recently signed contracts to purchase more than 2 billion US of capacity in Oracle's Gen 2 cloud. So their mm. analysts are putting this all down to Oracle's partnership with NVIDIA. Um, yep. And... Uh- them just stealing everybody's thunder and jumping in as the number one AI cloud. Well, it's a forecast. Yeah. We're looking into the crystal ball yeah. here. So this article does say, NVIDIA to make the chip company's AI software and chips available to Oracle customers via its cloud services. Now, what form is that going to take? Because we've already got that, mm. right? We've got, we've got GPUs and TPUs and all the rest of it. We just, last episode, we talked about the, uh, what was it, the- uh, Oh, the, NVIDIA's uh, new- uh, um, new, uh, Grace, Grace Superchip. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. So we've got that on Google. So what's going to be the, 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 the difference here? I don't know. No. 
again, it's it's one of those things that the the stuff I've seen out of Oracle, um, I, I've always bagged them. But what they're doing in the cloud is actually quite good in being able to give people who want to play with the cloud an instance to play with and then luring them into trying other stuff and um, and getting them hooked on, on Oracle Cloud. Anyway, let's move on. Um, from the security, uh, security stable, Google now offering $1 million in crypto mining attack protection. Yeah, so we've got two articles that mention this. Um, I'm actually looking at the, the blog on Google's, um, on cloud.google.com. Mm. And so it this only applies to customers that are using security commands in a premium. Yep. But uh, the the report that they've got that they mention in here, um, this Google Cybersecurity Action Team, um, September 2022 Threat Horizons report revealed that 65% of compromised cloud accounts experienced crypto mining. Yeah, and I think we reported on this this time last year mm. when the Threat Horizons came out and we were, we were flummoxed, we were flabbergasted oh, by the, the fact that that's, that's the biggest problem now. Yeah. Right? Um, so, yeah, as you say, Ian, you have to be a command center premium user and you have to follow the program terms and conditions yes including crypto mining detection best practice uh in order to be eligible yeah i imagine there's a few other things as well there's a link there in the, in the yeah. blog about it and look crypto uh sorry security command center premium is not exactly a cheap service however no. uh from my experience of it it is phenomenal like it detects changes in your environment instantaneously so if you and it's, open up it's a, agentless as well, isn't right. it? It's doing it in the hypervisor. Yeah. yeah. So if you open up a firewall rule that it considers uh, not in the best practice, it'll flag it. And by the time you've gone back to that that uh, tab in Chrome, it's already flagged. It literally yeah. takes that long. Um, you mean I can't put a SSH source any any? No, no, no. You cannot. Uh, I, guess uh, I always put that when I'm setting up a production box. <laughs> So people can get into it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think this is a really good, really good step from Google. Um, the $1 million only covers um, compute expenses. So it's not, it's not just a you get $1 million if you have cryptocurrency mining um, in your account. So they'll, they'll cover your, your bill up to a million dollars. Up to a million bucks. That's the way I read it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That'd be a pretty big compromise to spend a million dollars on computer. Well, not really. You think of some of those instance types are sort of ten and twenty dollars an oh, hour. Yeah, if they if they get into your project and start mm. spinning random stuff up, then yeah, they could do that. But if you've got a microservices architecture and you're running smaller instances, then Yeah. Yeah. And you probably you should really have some quotas in place to prevent it sort of blowing out of yeah, control. That's right. right. Yeah. And upper limits on your managed instance groups. Um, it would depend on the nature of their hack, right? Mm. Like at what level they were in. Like I said, if if they got in at the project level, then they could spin up whatever they liked, you know, permitting, you know, within the quotas, assuming that the quotas set, right? Yeah. Or or um, policy set, you know. Um, but if they got in at the org level, yeah, they well, could do a lot more damage, right? Yeah, that's right. Because each you know, they just spin up projects left, right, and center. Yeah, uh, but if they just got on the one machine, mm. ah, it's just one machine. Yeah, you know? that's right. Um, um, 
or or maybe there could be some sort of supply chain attack and they got into the image and they put a, a crypto mining agent on the image and yeah. then as it spun new ones up. Yeah, it just depends on the nature of what the attack was. That's right. And, and that's not unheard of either. There's been plenty of attacks like that in the in supply chains before. Yep, yep. Because here's the thing. The, the, the whole supply chain may not be in Google Cloud. Mm, that's right. right. That could be on-prem or could be in GitHub or something, and then everything's being built out from there. Before you know it, it's running on Google Cloud Compute Resources. Well, you only have to look at uh, Arch Linux had that not that long ago. The the Arch user repository had uh, malware in it in, in some place, and I can't remember the exact details, but there was malware in, in the AUR, and if you installed a package from AUR, it downloaded the malware. So it, easy as that? Simple as. Yeah. Uh, and let's not talk about how PPAs can be uh, compromised <laughs> just like that as well, yeah. <laughs> just as easily. It's just as simple. Just as simple. All right, should we get on with the AI wars? Let's do it. AI wars. All right, uh, kicking off AI Wars this week, and I've seen a few people on LinkedIn with this one, um, Google Cloud now offering free AI courses. Yeah. So they've, they've got, yeah, they've got a skills boost learning path. So the learning path is different from just a, just a generic sort of let's teach you how to use compute engine type course. Um, the learning path will actually teach you the whole generative AI um, uh, pathway so you can you can learn a whole heap more than just how to use like vertex AI or or um, Google's uh, language generation yeah it's actually teaching you AI fundamentals right mm. so you've got there's an introduction to generative AI intro to large language models which we've talked about a lot on the show mm-hmm. um, intro to responsible AI um, and then um, you know fundamentals image generation, uh, it's quite comprehensive. There's a lot in here. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. I I really want to do it and uh, and learn a bit more about AI because it's not really my bread and butter. But you need to know. Yeah, you need to know. It's like when when writable CDs first came out, right? I knew it was a thing. You could you can what you can write to a CD. Yeah, right. You can burn it. And I had. I had to know. I had to know how this worked. And, of course, it was early days of the internet. This stuff wasn't that uh, easy to find. This no. information wasn't that easy to find. There was no so, such thing as Wikipedia back then. No, that's right. And, uh, I don't know, somehow I found some article somewhere and, yeah, just, just learned about how writable CDs, yeah. CDs work. I remember my first one. Polaration of light. But, yeah, yeah I remember. it's the same thing here, right? You've got to know. Yeah, right? that's right. <laughs> my, fir- my first uh, CDR was was actually a SCSI driven one. I had a card that I yep. had to put into the the board and yep. and then uh yeah, there's a SCSI cable going in the back of the CDR. Yep. Two times or one time no, one, one time, time speed riding it. A, and one it, times and, it, and you can't stop it. Nope. You could not interrupt that thing. And Otherwise bin goes in the CD well, goes it, in the it, bin. It binned more CDs than than <laughs> it actually created, to be honest. Yes. Oh boy, oh boy. I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. was infuriating. Um, but anyway, back to AI. This is great. I think uh, everyone should go and have a, have a, a crack at this and, and run through this. I mean, what are we talking? One, they're saying, look, this cloud skills boost, it says one day, but 
you know, you, you could get through it in, I, I listened to it on like two times speed. You, you could get through it in a couple of hours. <laughs> um, what, let me go into one here. Have we got any labs? If, if there's no, because you always, always get held up on the labs, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, look, one day, it says it's a one day course. There's one video, one document, and a quiz, right? <laughs> so it's, it's yep. maybe. Maybe two hours minutes. worth of worth of <laughs> stuff hours. if you're doing it lo- if you're taking a, your time. Yeah, and then uh, intro to large language models. Same thing. One video, one document, and a quiz. Um, so yeah, I reckon you could probably you could probably actually get through all this in a day. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, looking at looking at uh, what they're giving you here, because um, you know the ones I'm doing, um, there'll be, you know, probably like. 30 or 40 videos and 10 quizzes and, you know, um, labs, oh. six, seven, eight labs in it. And that, now, that takes you a couple of days to yeah, get yeah, through, yeah. right? Like the network engineer one. Wowzers. The network engineer. <laughs> You're doing that now. Yeah, I'm doing that <laughs> yeah. now and wow. <laughs> yeah. But my, my hot tip um, with this is um, if you're doing these cloud skills boost um Look, you can do the quests if you want. Um, I didn't. I found I didn't have to. Um, the stuff in the labs is is really comprehensive and enough. Um, so just get through the the uh, the courseware and you'll be good. Yeah, you'll be good if you sit in the exam. That's it. Um, all right, moving on. Um, Meta late to the party. <laughs> late to the party. Zuckerberg uh, AI will be built out in all of Meta's products. Yeah, so this is this uh, is yawn, yeah, yeah. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean yes, okay. This this article's a bit late to the party, but you've got to have a look at the open source AI that we were talking about in the last episode. That was mm-hmm. Meta's large language model Ex- released. That's the leaked. irony yeah, in yeah. this. So yeah, um, I, I love this. I, lo- I love the the sort of narration in this article. Meta's decision to focus on AI tools follows in the footsteps of its competitors, including Google, Microsoft, and Snapchat, who've received significant investor attention for their generative AI products, making it sound like he's doing it only for money. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, he's never been known for that. Uh, Unlike the aforementioned rivals, Meta is yet to release any consumer-facing generative AI products. To address this gap, Meta has been reorganizing its AI divisions and investing heavily in infrastructure to support its AI product needs. What am I thinking here? I'm thinking, yeah, great. So's everyone else. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, my, I'm looking at this going, okay, cool. So you've seen that it's working for Microsoft and you've seen it's working for Google and Snapchat and all the rest of the people who've playing with, with generative AI. Mm. And now you want to do it? Why weren't you doing it six months ago or 12 months ago or two years ago when, when it was... Because the metaverse. Yeah. Because the metaverse was the all-important, right? That's right. They should go, they should go back and uh, get team up with Apple and their silly goggles, right? And that, that's how you do the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> we, can have, we can have a silly metaverse in silly goggles. <laughs> Actually, where's, where's Apple with all this AI hubbub? We haven't heard much from them. No, no I haven't heard you know? anything about them. They're, they're, they're focusing on AR. Uh, don't give me – yeah, let's not go there. But uh, Meta is also exploring open source models, allowing users to build their own AI-powered chatbots and technologies. Mm. We're already there. Yeah, that's right. Like, this, we're, we're doing that now. However, critics and competitors have raised concerns about the potential misuse of these toys, and we'll get onto that in a minute with the next two items. Yeah. 
as they can be utilized to spread information and hate speech on larger scales. Well, that's all right. They can go to Twitter because Smite's not there now, so they can spread the hate speech there. Exactly. (laughs) Isn't Are we already able to do that? Can't we already spread misuse and hate speech on large scales? I mean, you've just got to have a look at Facebook. It's the biggest source of misinformation on the internet. So So I don't know what they intend to achieve here. Um, they're very late to the party, very, very yeah. late, and uh, I think maybe they're they were reeling a little bit from the leak of their large language model to the open source community, and and then how fast the open source community has taken that and turned it into an actual usable uh, general purpose um, generative AI. Yeah, on on relatively lightweight computer. Yeah, that's right. You don't need the big behemoths um, that you, you would have to, to originally make their llama model. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, and, but the, the, the irony is not lost on me. No. The fact that they're going no, back to you. open source. <laughs> um, but just, just touching on that, um, you know, using AI in a safe way, the next sort of two articles um, – Australia opens public consultation on banning high-risk AI tools and the UK will host a global AI summit to address potential risks. Now, this first one about the Australian AI, I don't know if you had to read to that, Ian. I just snuck it in at the last minute. But uh, the Australian government has launched an eight-week consultation into the potential risk and benefit of the widespread use of artificial intelligence. Um, rogue, take another quote here, rogue use of technology could be seen in the meteoric rise of AI-generated fake news, deep fake, and AI chatbots encouraging suicide. Yeah, that's not cool. Now, that's not cool. But here's the thing. We're already there, mm. right? They're, they're doing some sort of eight-week investigation. And later on in the article, it says, even if they have some outcomes from this investigation, it could still take two years. Oh, sorry, that was the UK one. I mean, the Australian government would be ten just years. slow anyway. <laughs> ten years, yeah. Um, sorry, guys, we're already there. Yeah. We're, we're already seeing fake news and deep fake. What about the pictures of the Pope that were going around where he's breakdancing and yeah. stuff like that? I don't know if you saw those. <laughs> right. Um and and there was there was uh, the ones with Trump being arrested, right? They actually got into the media cycle before they realised that they were fake. Yeah, that's right. Um, we're there, guys, and you, you you just you know you're late to the party. Yeah, so it's so the the Ed Husick is the the minister for industry and science. Um, yep, and he's quoted here as saying, "Using AI safely and responsibly is a balancing act the whole world is grappling with at the moment." Which, look, I agree to a to an extent that, yes, we, we're we trying to determine the extent of which AI can cause harm generally within the population. Mm. But I think, realistically, um, the ship sailed. You're yep. way too late here to be yep. trying to legislate against it or anything like that because it's there. The technologies out yeah. there, and I mean that yeah. later on in this article, it's like the gov- Australian government has since sunk forty-one million dollars out of its recent budget for developing AI technologies in the country, via its National AI Centre to promote the ethical adoption of AI. The government launched a responsible AI adopt program, specifically targeted at SMEs in the country. Mm. So, 
I sort of read this as, oh, look, we're, we're really scared with all the hubbub that's going on in the news because news agencies have never really blown things out of proportion ever before. No. And, um, and now we think we need to put some legislation in place so that, you know, you can't create an AI that is convincing people to do bad things. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the stem cell research hubbub. Oh. Right? <laughs> now, right? So, yep. you see, you know, yeah, you see yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, right? I remember that. The, the, the outcome of stem cell research, uh, the potential is huge oh, it's massive. with what we can do with it, right? But the knee-jerk reaction is to ban it, oh. huh. right? And there are countries that did ban it and countries that didn't ban it, mm. right? And- uh, that research is going to happen anyway, yep. right? Even if there's some sort of global ban, you're still going to have the open source guys still working away in there. And in fact, then it will become underground, right? It'll become clandestine then. Yep. And you'll end up with um, these people running these chatbots. And there'll be no laws for them, no. right? They'll just run some chatbot that'll ring people up. And you've got these scamming call centers that ring people up. How long before that's all replaced by some AI, mm. Right, that's been hacked, right, and and it's running in some hacked cloud account, and it's just ringing people up, um, and you don't even need to employ people to do that. No, that's right. Yeah, right. I mean, right. that's that's likely what's happening already with with some of the call yeah. centres. I mean, you and I, we both get a whole heap of scam calls on a daily yeah. basis. Um, thankfully, now that I've got a Pixel, I can call screen them, and that, you can that call screen them. Tends yeah. to sort of tends to have sort of slowed right down now. But yeah. uh, but it's not that far from happening. You make it illegal, right? Mm. And it, it, there's plenty of other illegal activities that go on on computers that are legislated against, but they still go on, right? The whole scamming thing we talked about just then, uh, pirating, yep. movies and games, the rest of it, right? All of that's legislated against, but uh, plus other things, which I'm not going to mention on the show, but it goes on, yeah. right? It still happens. It's, I, I find it interesting in this article that uh, they mentioned here, Italy is moving closer towards banning the technology over privacy, job security, and intellectual property concerns, while the EU scrambles for new guiding reg- regulations. So, yeah, like, I read that as, as Italy is very concerned that AI is going to replace a whole heap of jobs that they don't really want to happen. Um, mm. uh, I'm sorry, but... I see AI very much as the new version of computers. I've said this before. AI mm-hmm. is the new computers. Back in the 80s and 90s when computers became mainstream, they replaced a whole heap of typist jobs and a whole heap of manual yeah. data entry jobs, but created a whole other industry. So I think countries need to sort of get on top of it and um, stop being scared by the, the out-of-proportions media reports. And uh, and start embracing the technology that is out yeah. there. And yes, because use it, sorry, use it responsibly. Yeah, but don't shoot yourself in the foot, which is what Italy is proposing to do. That's here. right. Right, Italy is moving close towards banning the technology. You're shooting yourself in your foot. That's right. You're just sending yourself backwards into the dark ages because it's gonna. There's going to be other countries that are just going to be way ahead of you with this. That's right. You know who? If you want to some good info on this, you should listen to the AI Australia podcast, the other mental group podcast, because this is exactly what they talk about. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm going to have to sign Eth- up for that. Ethics, ethics in AI. Yeah, yeah nice. that's right. Um, and on the same sort of vein, um, 
UK will host a global AI summit to address potential risks in AI. Yeah. Um, yeah much- the UK government believes that the country is a natural place to lead discussions due to hosting Europe's largest AI industry which is only behind the US and China on the world stage. Mm. So again, I think much the same sort of narrative and and much the same sort of effort. Um, They actually quote in here, AI has incredible potential to transform our lives for the better, but we need to make sure it's developed and used in a way that is safe and secure. No one country can do this alone. This is going to take a global effort, but with our vast expertise and commitment to an open democratic international system, the UK will stand together with the allies to lead the way. And I think yeah. that's perfectly acceptable. Let's let's sounds like a wartime. Almost sounds like a wartime speech. It does, then. doesn't it? It <laughs> does. <laughs> uh, but I think this is a it's a fantastic idea to let's get on the front foot here, and mm. and make sure that we what we're developing is developed in safe and secure manner, and that it, it, we have much the same as the Geneva Convention protects human rights, we have some sort of global convention that protects um, that protects the use of AI yeah. and the development thereof, as opposed to going, no, well, we're just going to ban it because we don't like it. Yeah. It does say in this article too, the European Union is, the European Union, that's not UK anymore, mm-hmm. is already working on an artificial intelligence act, but it could take up to two years, uh, two and a half years to come into effect. Yeah. Horse bolted, anyone? Yes. By that point? Yes. Like, where is this going to be in two and a half years? Like, the mind boggles. Well, we can only assume that every game out there is going to be using AI completely. Oh, and wait. Oh, well. I can't wait till, like, when you see someone in a ga- like an AI. Oh, by the way, rendered in Unreal Engine 5, mm. you walk up to that NPC and you can just have a conversation with oh. them. Oh, you know... It's, my, it's gonna be awesome. my young like, fella does this this like little sway now. Like the NPCs in whatever game he's playing at the moment do this like little sway where their hands move and and I uh, like walk into the kitchen. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm an NPC, and I'm like, okay, good, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a few years ago with Fortnite, and all the kids were doing all the dances, Orange Justice, oh, all the yeah. rest. Of them. Oh, he he yeah. still does them and flossing and all that sort of stuff. I was yeah, like, oh it. no. <laughs> you're a boomer dad you're a boomer you'll never understand I am not a boomer <laughs> I am Gen X <laughs> we're far more grumpy than that <laughs> alright well I think we're about done here now we've kind of gone off on a tangent oh, there <laughs> as per usual Ian it's been a fun show and uh, yeah we've, had, we've seen some really cool stuff this fortnight we have haven't we It's it's been like what started out as last week we were going oh gee there's not much in the news this week and, uh, and we've got a heat now. It was a light news week, but we somehow made a show. Yeah, we did. We did. Listen, guys, don't forget to go to iTunes and write a review for the show. That would really help us out. Uh, and you can contact the show at gcplife at kazza.com.au. We do have a Twitter account for now at gcplife. Uh, there's a website. You can just Google that, gcplife. And don't forget... Today's sponsor was Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible with a bit of GCVE thrown in there as well. That's it. That's about it from us for now. You got anything else to add, Ian? Nah, enjoy yourselves. We're going to be in the Cape when we make our next one. We will indeed, and that's going to be a whole other thing, but we'll catch you later. Bye.
How now, brown cow? La 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 la. The throg out of my throat. The, th- the, th- the frog out of my throat. <laughs> All right, good.